Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Goldie Morgenthaler. Goldie is a Canadian Yiddish-to-English literary translator, as well as a professor of English literature. She's the daughter of Holocaust survivor and Yiddish-language author Hava Rosenfarb. She's published a number of books in translation, including the recently published Confessions of a Yiddish Writer and Other Essays by Hava Rosenfarb, translated by Goldie Morgenthaler. Welcome, Goldie. Thank you. Um, Happy to be here. It's great to uh, have you join us today, and I'm really eager to speak with you about this newly published work. It's a collection of translations of both personal and literary essays by your mother, if I may, Hava, and it's uh, sort of a mix of autobiographical, as it's explained, accounts of her childhood and experiences before and during the Holocaust, and it also includes some literary criticism that discusses the work of other Yiddish writers, uh, along with some travel logs, yes? Right, yes. So how did it all come about, this collection? Well, um, while my, when my mother was still alive, she had um, she translated one of her own essays about her mentor in the Lodz Ghetto, Simcha Bunim Shayevich, and I edited it, and then nothing happened with it. I, I think she tried to get it published, and nothing came of that. And I came across it after her death, and I asked uh, a Toronto writer, David Bezmozgis, what I should do with it, and um, he got me in touch with Tablet, and um, I, I published it there. And then I started, I, I came across more of her essays, um, and I started to think that perhaps, since she wrote quite, uh, quite a lot of them, and she also gave a lot of public lectures, I start to think that maybe um, they should be translated and, and published. I thought some of them were quite good. And so that's really the genesis of this book. It, I have to say it's a really interesting mix, um, and it really reveals a lot about her, her personal writing as well as the world that she inhabited. Yes, yes. It, tell me a little bit about your mother and also what it's like to translate her work which you've done such an amazing job opening her work up to non-Yiddish readers. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, well, my mother, as, as you probably know, was born in, in Lodz, Poland. She survived the Holocaust, and then after five years in Belgium as a stateless person, uh, she came to Canada. And it wasn't really until she came to Canada that she started writing. She, she published a book of poetry, um, before she came to Canada uh, in London. But aside from that, uh, she mostly started writing seriously in Canada, and she wrote mostly uh, her n- novel, her trilogy, The Tree of Life, about the Lodge Ghetto. But she also um, was a major figure in the Yiddish-speaking Jewish community of Montreal, and she was constantly being invited to speak, especially at Holocaust commemorations, and also to give um, literary lectures. So she did that as well. Um, in uh, later life, when uh, she was married to my father, <laughs> and that marriage dissolved, it fell apart. Um, my father actually became very well known in Canada as um, an abortion rights crusader. And um, so when that her marriage to him um dissolved, she, she connected with someone she had known also from uh, Lodge, 
Simchabunim uh, Wiener, and uh, they they became a couple. But he lived in Australia, so she started to spend her summers, um, or what was um, summer there uh, and winter in Canada uh, with him, and then they would come back. So they spent about half a year in Australia and half a year in um, in Canada. And one of the essays in this book is about her first trip to Australia. She started the relationship with him because she'd come, she'd gone on an earlier trip as a, a lecture as a lecturer. So, um, so, so the essays, all the essays, have a kind of personal connection. And she went with him also around the world because he was a travel agent. So another one of her essays about Prague, which is also in this collection. Uh, resulted from that trip. I was surprised um, to see a collection of, well, which includes many of her essays. Was it a body of work that you were familiar with, or did you just begin to delve into it and find that she had written fairly extensively? Well, I knew she'd written a lot of essays because sometimes she read them to me, and uh, they were getting published in the Golden Kite. So, um, I, I, I knew that uh, she was on friendly terms with Sutzkever, who was the editor of the Golden Kite, and he um, periodically asked her for a contribution. So even though uh, she had a, a bit of a fraught relationship with him because she objected to his some of his editorial practices, uh, they, they remained on very good terms really until the end of his life. But so I knew that the essays were being published, and in fact, one of them, Schleumelle, I basically translated that one. And again, there was uh, it was hard to get it published, uh, even though I thought it was quite beautiful. I think it's very moving, and that's in the collection as well. Yeah, it's a it's a great mix, and I sort of was. Um taken by the fact that it really gives you this window into the Yiddish literary world, and she's no holes barred, is that safe to say? It, it, how do you mean that? I mean, I think that she's uh, provides us with a really well-considered, like, let's take the example of the piece about Isaac Beshevet Singer and Sholomash. I mean, she really delves deep into looking at both of those writers to look at them within a context, to look at them critically, and to really provide, I think, some interesting insights and ways of thinking about their work, both as it relates to, you know, the individual writers and within the sort of larger landscape. Yes, I, th I think that's true. I mean, she basically says what she thinks, mm -hmm. right? She's not... Um, She's not out to please anyone, and all the essays, even the um, literary ones, uh, uh, she's coming at them from her own personal point of view as opposed to pretending to be objective. Which leads me to, uh, at the beginning of the book, you have um, a wonderful quote or piece um, <laughs> that she had written, if I may. Um, I'm going to just read this quickly and then ask you, to maybe speak a little bit about it. And she writes, What is writing if not a form of confession in disguise? No matter what the subject, all literary roads lead back to the self. The writer descends like a miner into the deepest shafts of her soul in order to unearth the blackest coal of her torment or to retrieve the most glittering diamonds of her memories and bring them back to the surface in the form of fictions that she wishes to share with the world. 
it's it's a wonderful way to describe her work and her as a writer. I, and I wonder if you could speak a little bit about it. Um, well, I, I don't know what, what more I could say to what she says, uh, but I think that it, it, in essence, what she's saying is that basically, even if you're writing fiction, uh, you're writing about yourself. And um, uh, the more I know or I've learned about her life, the more I've realized that, for instance, the Tree of Life, I had always assumed that those characters were, um, for the most part, made up, that she, she had um, made them up. And it turns out that many of them are based on actual people. So um, the, the line between fiction and nonfiction is, is a, a fuzzy one, I think. And I've also learned that some of the things that actually happened to her, for instance, she fictionalizes and changes. So one example would be uh, the diary, that uh, Begin Belson diary that is included in this book. Uh, she changed the, she was in fact sick with typhoid fever um, on the day of the liberation, and she almost died from it. But in the diary, uh, she makes that later. So it, she has it starting on May 10th, whereas, in fact, Bergen-Belsen was liberated on April 15th. So she plays with um, what, what, like, you assume when something is nonfiction that it's closer to being real. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. So um, I think in that sense, when she talks about confession and, and that everything she writes, in a sense, is a part of her, uh, that's what she means, like the, the line between what actually happened, when it happened, you know, the kind of journalistic what, when, who, etc. that that line is not as cut and dried between what happened and what is fiction especially for writers who write fiction. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that her, her writing, well, for me, what I've been able to read in translation is it's really personal, but at the same time, and I'm not sure if this is a right, it's not detachment, but she, yeah, she doesn't have to be wedded to the exact date or the person's real name in That's order right. to convey this story. And it, in it, in the same time, it allows for such personal interpretation. I think from the reader. Yes, I think that's true. Um, I mean, I think Survivors was like that for me. It's such an interesting collection. Was it hard to select the pieces that you included? It was, and I also left out a few that, um, in, in retrospect, I I regret, um, especially. Uh, more detailed uh, essays about some of the Montreal writers, like Melech um, Ravitch. But I, I felt that I, I was afraid of that the book would be too big. And, um, and I wanted to give enough of a sense of the diversity of what she wrote about. Um, and I wanted to include the travelogues, especially the essay on Australia, which I, I really <laughs> think is quite lovely. It is. Um, so so um, I, I, I limited myself. I, I mean, I think the size of the book as it is, is just right. But I am sorry that I didn't tra um, get translated some of the other um, essays. 
I would imagine that the relationship between a mother and daughter and your working as her translator um, would allow you sort of entry in a different way into her world. Um, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I didn't grow up in Poland, and my uh, primary language is English, uh, not Yiddish. So while she was alive, um, and we translated together, uh, it was for me like I, I was learning about a life that occurred before I was born, basically. But we would have, um, we worked together, and, and on the whole, it brought us very close together as well. But we also fought a lot about language and linguistic problems and, um, and it, that kind of thing. And we were both very stubborn. And so it, it, um, it generated a, quite a few sparks. But once after she died and I started to do this on my own, I really felt the loss. I mean, I, you know, there were certain places where I would, have, I would have liked to get her okay on certain things. And even in this um, essay collection, I changed some of the titles. And I, I, I didn't feel right about doing it. I would have appreciated um, her agreement that, that I did write, but I didn't. Uh, I had a problem, for instance, with one of the titles um, was in Yiddish, Polcelan und seine Goyolbrides, which translates literally as um, Polcelan and his brothers in fate. Or, and I, that sounded wrong to me in English. So I changed it. But I, and I would like to think that she would not have minded um, because I just couldn't get it to sound right to my ear in English. So like those kind of problems, I really do wish that that um, that she she were around for me to ask her. And even I'm now translating uh, her last novel, Letters to Abrasha, and I miss uh, you know we our arguments even because while we were arguing and we were being very stubborn, uh, in the end we sort of came to a conclusion that I think pleased both of us. And I don't have that anymore ever since she died. I mean, it's a whole other dimension of a mother-daughter relationship. Um, That's true. And it's kind of funny. I mean, your mother, if I may, was telling telling other st- people's stories about other people and leaving us to interpret them. And in a way, you're sort of telling her, <laughs> telling her story through the translation or an interpretation of it. I'm not sure I yes. threaded yes, that. I mean, yeah. That's part of the problem, you know, is that it isn't, every translation really is a kind of interpretation by the translator and a guess, um, especially if the writer's not around, uh, at what the meaning is. And so, you know, what can you do? There's no, there's no alternative to that, I don't think. And um, was she involved in selecting the pieces? No. And and she never she never knew the idea for this book is entirely my own. Okay. She never suggested a book of essays, um, and she she translated individual essays like the one on Shaevich. That is primarily her work, and um, because she wanted she wanted people to know about him, I think she was afraid that um, you know he would just slip into oblivion because 
so few of his um, poems survive. But so she did that. But I think as a book of essays, I, she never mentioned anything like that. And I think that she thought of her nonfiction writing as sort of secondary to her fiction. And yet it's so important. Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, and, and I also um, think it's important for it to be in English, you know, in a language that, um, you know, I mean, the truth about Yiddish is that it's shrinking in terms of readership. And it's important to get uh, this culture and the, out there. In, and for that, you need a English or, um, you know, a language that is widely spoken. Well, you know, I, again, I don't read in Yiddish, so I thank you because it's an amazing volume for me to read. Um, there's so much packed in there. And was there one piece along the way that resonated or sent you in a direction and sort of made everything coalesce around it? I don't think so. Uh, I, it was once uh, Tablet started publishing her pieces, I, I mean, that's really, I, I start to think that there was a, a hope, you know, that there was an interest in um, her uh, nonfiction memoirs. But I really, for me, the, the heart of the collection is uh, her essays about her own life. Mm-hmm. Because I tried many times to get her to write an actual autobiography so that I would know what was true and what was not true in her fiction. Uh, because, after all, fiction is fiction. And she started once. She wrote t- about 10 pages. And then she said, I can't do it. So um, the fact that there were a few essays that were basically. Um, based on actual events in her life, uh, for me, that was a revelation. And I was uh, very happy just to have, it's not a lot, but what it is, um, I'm happy to have it, and I put it, and that's why I put it in the book. So there's about five of these essays. Um, Well, for readers, we're happy that you put it in the book. Um, I mean, I think your mother's work is amazing work, and your work oh, translating you. it is just breathtaking. Um, so thank you, really. Well, I really appreciate that because, you know, the the problem always has been um, readers. <laughs> I, 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 w- I would like more people to read her. Um, so let's then uh, say the name of the book is Confessions of a Yiddish Writer and Other Essays by Hava Rosenfarb, and it is now published, correct? And available um, in bookstores. Uh, It will be available likely here at the Yiddish Book Center's English language bookstore as well. And before I let you go, you're working on another collection, or is it a novel or collection of stories? Uh, No, it's it's a novel. Okay. It's the last novel that uh, never got translated, and I'm afraid I'm very slow, but I I do work on it, Um, and I think I'm half past the halfway mark. But it's called Letters to Abrasha. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think I'm slow because I'm a little bit afraid of getting to the end. Uh, I published an excerpt from it in Tablet, and it, that was about uh, the arrival in Auschwitz. So this book, uh, in the Tree of Life, she never, the Tree of Life ends with the uh, liquidation of the ghetto, and the characters are all sent off, and we're left to imagine 
their fate after uh, the ghetto was um, w- was liquidated. Whereas in this novel, um, she actually does go to the camps and what happens in the camps. And I I have translated bits and pieces of it. For instance, there was a part that appeared in the Montreal Gazette many years ago, and and then the Auschwitz segment appeared in Tablet about a year or so ago. So I know where it's going, and I'm 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 a little reluctant to get there, <laughs> but I I will. I mean I will finish this. But so that's what I'm working on now. It's it's a longish novel. Well, there's no rest for you. <laughs> no. um, thanks again, Goldie, for joining us today. Um, uh, and I do hope that we'll see you for a visit. It's been a while since you've been back at the center. Oh, I'd love to come anytime. <laughs> all right. Thanks again for all of this. And um, be well. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Thank you.